0: Welcome to another episode of A to Z with Clinton Katie. I'm excited this week because we are going to be talking about La La Land, which Yay! is your home, mm-hmm. your home denizen, That's Los right. Angeles, We're talking about the Oscars, the Academy Ooh, Awards.
1: The Academy Awards.
0: It's one of the most watched things every year. Millions of people.
1: I am pretty sure, if I'm remembering correctly, I think Paranormal... Activity got, had a, there was a parody of it at the Oscars. Hmm. I think it was Steve Martin, but there's so much in that time period that's such a whirlwind for me that I could be, it could have been like the, you know, Golden Globes or something.
0: Oscars 2010 Paranormal Activity spoof and salute to horror films starring Steve Martin and Alec Baldwin. There we go. Well, what's crazy is I'm sure I watched it in real time. I have almost no memory of it because life and time have a way of sucking all of that out of you into a black hole of nothingness. Also, were we even Uh, friends back then? Um, no, we, shortly, well, after, no, shortly after we became yeah. friends in 2011. Yeah. But uh, wait, maybe it was even after that. Cause I remember trying to, I tried to bust in to the paranormal activity to premiere. Cause I was staying in a hotel on tour on sunset and vine right by the arc light.
1: That's right. And I tried, I,
0: right. I literally tried to walk in and I got far cause I, I was in a band and we looked cool. We looked like we belonged there. Right. And then right at the last minute, someone was like, excuse me, who are you? And we're like, oh yeah, we're with uh, we're with we were on a record label called Network, and we were staying in the record label's like band house, mm-hmm. like their band hotel. Mm-hmm. We're like, yeah, we're with Network, and you know, we were invited or whatever, because uh, I come from a big fake it till you make it vibe,
1: right, 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 right.
0: And then they asked to see the credentials or the ticket. You know, they they bounced us real quick. Whoever was whoever was doing security that night, good job.
1: Well, I wasn't even there, so had I had I known you and had I been there, I would have. I was across the street in like a. Jack in the Box parking lot for like ten minutes, seeing the lines, and then I had to go home.
0: Well, I'm excited to dig into the Oscars. I'm a huge movie fan, as you know. I do. You are in huge movies. Yep. I also work in the music industry, and so the Grammys are kind of the the music version of the Oscars, just like the Tonys are the theater version of the Oscars, and the uh, Emmys are the TV version, right? Mm-hmm. But the Grammys are horrible. I've never liked the Grammys. The Grammys seem more bullshitty to me. I don't know why the oscars have still even though ratings they we're going to get into this but the ratings are getting horrible for the oscars they just keep going down this last one was the like worst ratings in 10 years
1: did it have a host cuz sometimes they're now doing it with they're doing it hostless
0: there's a lot of theories and we may be getting ahead of ourselves here yeah. but yeah they're they're not doing hosts and because well there was the pandemic that wasn't really great and then there was kind of the the big me too stuff and mm-hmm. people were getting canceled and then there just became too much of a like liability right you know kevin hart got disinvited for because of some tweets from you know a decade before and, mm-hmm. and uh I, I so i think some of that's going on like yeah no hoes you don't got billy crystal you know you don't got 40 million people tuning in to see billy crystal sing a song at the top right and i think people are a little turned off by how much the oscars have really tried to speak to like the woke culture i think your average people don't really want to be preached at at the Oscars, they just want to see their favorite movies do well by
1: really, really wealthy people living in a bubble. Yeah,
0: by a bunch of kind of out of touch assholes. So, I still watch them because I still really care and I still really follow. I watch all the movies, and so I feel invested in them. Mm-hmm. And I still, I still care about how the the um, how the Oscars can really change the trajectory of a career. Mm. I, f- I find it really fascinating. Yeah. So, we're going to kind of talk about the history of it. It's got an interesting history. It really does. Uh, some really interesting facts about the Oscars that okay. you might not know. I bet I don't. And I do want to talk about horror movies' place in the Oscars because horror movies have only 18 horror movies have ever won an Oscar. And only one horror movie has ever even won Best Picture, which was Silence of the Lambs. Oh, that was good. So let's just talk about it. So everyone knows what they are, hopefully. It's generally regarded as the most prestigious, significant award show in the entire entertainment industry worldwide. Wow. It's an international recognition of excellence in cinematic achievements as assessed by the Academy. Everyone's heard that, right? I'd like to mm-hmm. thank the Academy. So we're going to talk about what all of that is, how you get into it, how the voting works, the controversy surrounding it and all that. Does that sound good? Does that sound like you want to strap into this ride? It sounds great. I am strapped
1: in. I'm ready to take off. <laughs>
0: The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences is the full the full title of the membership.
1: Some of the sciences have to go on a different night though don't they Wait don't they have like another another night of uh, or is that is that not the Oscars do they all like some of the tech awards aren't live
0: They have a bunch of awards that are off screen that are like either at a ceremony that day before yeah. or maybe even the day before yeah. yeah. They only show the big ones. Um, And it's so long. I mean, that's one of the reasons, too, that that viewership's down is they're long as hell. They're three and a half hours long. Yeah. And you really only get to see like 12 categories. And then every song that gets nominated usually gets performed. Mm -hmm. So and then you got all the bloated acceptance speeches. We're going to get into all that stuff. Okay. So here's what's interesting about the, the beginning of the Oscars. So the first ever Oscars held on May 16th, 1929. At a private dinner for two hundred and seventy people at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. Been
1: there, had my thirtieth birthday there.
0: Describe that place for me.
1: Um, very high, high, high ceilings, like bank level high, like grand sort of spaciousness. I didn't stay there, so I don't know what the rooms are like. But then my birthday was in like a little a bar that had like a bowling alley in it. Okay, it was very grand and very old Hollywood.
0: Tickets uh, at this event on May 16, 1929, $5, which is $80 in today's prices. Cheap. Uh, it lasted 15 minutes. <laughs> 15 awards were given.
1: That's like a graduation. It's like shake hands and go.
0: First ever winner was Emil Jannings for Best Actor. For The Last Command and The Way of the Flesh, two movies I haven't seen, but after doing this research, made me want to go see these movies. Mm-hmm. What was interesting about that is, I think for the first four Oscar ceremonies, The awards were given based on the entire body of work in the time slot. And the time slot for the first six Oscars was two years. So 1927 and 1928, the awards were given to this Emil Jannings guy for his two movies, The Last Command and The Way of the Flesh. Mm. So they would just kind of look at your entire body of work. You could win one Oscar for as many movies as you made that year. Wow! So after the fourth Oscars, they changed that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until 1930 that it was even broadcast on the radio. So first handful of Oscars were just a bunch of muckety-mucks in a room somewhere trying to get through it as fast as possible so they could celebrate, I guess. Or get home to little Donnie and Judy.
1: June. Mm-hmm. I'm,
0: I'm guessing, yeah, June and Donnie. Just conjured them up out of the ether. Uh, I wonder how they're doing. I oh, guess they're, they're dead now. They're dead now, yeah. Yeah, because this was ninety years ago. Now, of course, it's televised worldwide. It did not start being televised until nineteen fifty-three. So for twenty-four years, you would just have to tune into the radio. I wonder what the scope of like movie stars were back then. Like, did they
1: were people did people care about movie stars in the 30s and 40s?
0: They did, yeah. Okay. They definitely and they definitely did in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. But you got, you know, in that time frame, you've got your Charlie Chaplin. You've got That's some great right. movie, movie stars. Right, right, right. Cool. Well, cause I mean, just think about it, like movies were new. Mm-hmm. Newish, and it was just a different time. There wasn't much else to do, right? Movies were like a really predominant art form for a really, really, like really until about twenty years ago, and especially up through like the seventies. Movies were kind of the dominant cultural. You had art, mm-hmm. you know. You had music, mm-hmm. and you had you had literature. Mm -hmm. but people went to see movies and people would talk about movies and movies would play for a long time. 18 18 months.
1: Joe and I just went to the movie theater the other night and saw Ticket to Paradise, which was George Clooney and Julia Roberts in a rom-com. And it was fine. It was good. It was fun. But it was so refreshing to just go to the movies and see two movie stars just be in a rom-com in a movie theater. I was like, when was the last time I saw a rom-com in the movie theater? I don't know. Five years? Longer? It was wild.
0: It was fun. And it used to just be what everybody did. Yes. Oh. I mean, everybody went to the movies. Every Friday night. It was such a huge deal. and I mean, mm-hmm. this is before you could, you know, you could maybe catch a movie on television, but you couldn't rent a movie mm-hmm. until the 80s, mm. maybe late 70s, the 80s. So, you know, if The Godfather was playing and everyone's appropriately losing their fucking minds over it because it's one of the greatest pieces of art of all time, it would just play in theaters forever. Yeah. Because once it was out, it was really hard to see. Right. Unless you maybe had a print of it or something. Right. So broadcast on the radio till 53. Then it was televised. The Oscars. We're back to the Oscars here. All right. Mm-hmm. It is the oldest worldwide entertainment award ceremony. And of course, the aforementioned Emmys, Tonys, and Grammys are all directly modeled after the Oscars. The Oscars were first. The OG. All the muckety-mucks were like, we should do that for all of these. Right. Everyone sort of knows the statue, the golden statue. It's got an interesting history. It's officially called the Academy Award of Merit. But that doesn't really uh, roll off the tongue super easy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So at some point, it got the na- nickname The Oscar. It's a statuette depicting a knight rendered in Art Deco style holding a sword, which I love, mm-hmm. standing on a reel of film. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. And it's got five spokes. And the five spokes represent the original branches of the Academy. Actors, writers, directors, producers and technicians.
1: Wow, cool.
0: So there's a, some thought that went into the statue. Yeah. The statuette, I should
1: say. Why did he get named Oscar? Do we know?
0: Uh, the origin is disputed by a bunch of Hollywood muckety-mucks. One biography of Betty Davis, who is a famous actress, but also the president of the Academy in 1941, mm-hmm. claims she named it after her husband, bandleader Harmon Oscar Nelson. Another story is that Margaret Herrick, who was an Academy executive director, named it after her uncle Oscar Oscar. The Oscar historian Bruce Davis traced the term to an Academy secretary, Eleanor Lillenberg. So, the true origins lost to time. There's a bunch of stories out there about how it happened. Got it. It was sculpted in 1928 by Los Angeles artist George Stanley, who also did the Muse statue outside of Hollywood Bowl.
1: Oh, okay. Wow.
0: And it was a design sketch by MGM art director Cedric Gibbons, who himself was nominated 39 times for an Oscar. Wow. Cuz he was an art director in the film industry, he won 11 Oscars, the guy that designed it. Wow. And I doubt anyone at the time, I mean they knew it was a thing, it was becoming an institution, it was becoming something that people cared enough about to want to tune in on the radio and then of course have it be broadcast on television. But it wasn't the sort of almost sacred thing that it is now right. 88 years later or yeah. whatever, you know, whatever year we're on. First awarded in 1929 at that fateful 15 minute ceremony since then more than 3100 have been presented to some of the world's best in the film industry they're made in a new york-based art foundry and it takes roughly three months To make 50 of the statuettes.
1: That's a long time.
0: Have you ever heard the story that like what they give them on the stage isn't like the real Oscar? You ever heard anything like that, that they give it back as soon as they get it?
1: I've heard stories that they give it back so that it can be engraved because they don't know until they open the envelope or whatever. But I didn't know if what they handed off on stage is the real thing or not.
0: There was an incident, I think, in the early or in the late 40s where someone basically saw the the nameplates and spoiled all the winners. So... After 1950, they get the ones with like blank base plates to avoid the spoilers, mm-hmm. you know. And then they would give them back to the academy and wait several weeks for the names to be inscribed. Starting in 2010, winners have the option to have it engraved and an inscription processing station at the after party, which is at the governor's ball. So check this out. Here's an interesting thing about the statue. So prior to nineteen fifty, the statuettes were and remained the property of whoever won. They just they could do whatever they wanted with it. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point. People started selling them or like the estates or children of these winners would like try to sell them. So they're now legally encumbered by the requirement that if you don't want the Oscar, it has to be first offered back to the Academy for the sale of
1: $1. Gotcha.
0: So they can't, no one can like legally sell it.
1: Great. I like that.
0: Yeah, it makes sense because it's become part of history. and But there were some pretty interesting like scenarios that came up where one guy who had won one before this 1950, you know, stature, his wife was, uh, his wife was dying of cancer and he sold his Oscar to raise money for her treatment. Oh. And the Academy, it was kind of a stink, you know, they couldn't do anything about it. It's actually one of the three, there was like three events where people tried to sell their Oscars. And uh, it was one of the events that kind of led them to like codify well. a way to get around it you know
1: if they're worrying about their statue when a man's trying to save his wife's life i think they need to rethink their priorities
0: yeah and i think that it was cool but i just think it it just raised the legal issue you know he actually said something to that effect of like the movie that i'm it was a director and he was like look the movie's there like the achievement the movie will live forever the statue doesn't mean anything my wife's life is more important yeah which you would have to be a psycho to not agree with that i agree with that too the most famous one the last one that that happened that was this famous was orson welles Citizen Kane Oscar, which he got in 1941. So this predates the 1950 stature Mm -hmm. sold for nearly a million dollars in 2011. I kind of want to just keep it. If I had a, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, if I had a grandfather or grandmother that was an Academy award winner, it would be such a sense of pride about the family. I I would want to keep it. I think
1: loan it to the Academy museum or something.
0: Yeah. A lot of people did that. A lot of people Mm -hmm. gave them, gave them back to the Academy. Mm -hmm. There are other awards they give out. They're the non honorary non-competitive awards I won't name all of them. There are nine of them. There are things like the Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Award, the Gene Herschelt Humanitarian Award. I don't think I need to name all of these unless you really want me to.
1: No, no, no. That's okay. Uh, But I didn't even know that there were other than like, there's like one they give on the the
0: show, I think. They do like a, yeah, like a lifetime achievement or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Which is kind of, yeah, it's like an honorary. It's nice. It's nice to have, I'm sure. And that is one of the ones they televise.
1: I remember when I was a kid, they gave Tom Hanks uh, like a Lifetime Achievement Award, and I was in high school. And I remember thinking, "He's not done. What are right. you doing? Don't be right. doing this to him yet." It's like people I mean.
0: who write their autobiographies when they're like in their forties. I'm like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> so the nominations and the Academy, how does it work? Of course, um, there's a lot of speculation about controversies within how all this shit works. Do you have any experience, or like, are you a? Have you ever been invited to be a member or anything?
1: No, I've been to a, I've been to an Oscar party and I've been to the night before the night before party, is that what it's called, where everybody and their brother gets invited to this big swanky night before the Oscar party and it's everyone. It's it's actually it was really fun. Um but I do have a friend who won an Oscar for an animated short film uh, a few years ago and uh like it's a real campaign. Like oh, yeah. I remember when he was I remember like he and I just became friends like right as he was just starting the project. And it was like two years later that he that they kind of like realized like, oh, maybe we have something here that people want. And and I mean, PR people and production companies and, and navigating who's gonna be listed as one of the people who get a statue and like all and and campaigning and getting celebrities to help. Ha- I mean, it was really like, wow, this is a full time job.
0: Yeah, and it apparently makes a pretty big difference. I mean, you've got people like like Joaquin Phoenix, who kind of famously refused to campaign Mm -hmm. and did a lot of great work. They finally gave him one for the Joker because it was kind of undeniable. Right. And usually it's like the producers and stuff. Like I remember reading about, I remember hearing an interview with Jason Blum, who did Paranormal Activity, right? And he talks about how he was one of the producers for Whiplash, which won a couple of Oscars. Mm -hmm. And just like the, it was like for real, a campaign. I mean, Mm -hmm. film companies spend... Millions of dollars millions. sometimes marketing to awards voters, mm-hmm. uh, especially for the best, best pictures, kind of the big one,
1: mm-hmm. the
0: big one, as far as I can tell, like the big muckety muck artistic one is original screenplay. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the one that someone wrote, you know, like right. what they wrote got translated by teams and teams and hundreds of people and teams of producers who make got the money scrounged up. But it's really that it's really those words on the paper that are the vehicle for the whole thing. Yeah. And I've always been really impressed with the writer directors, you know, the Woody Mm -hmm. Allens, the Quentin Tarantinos, the Billy Wilders, Mm
1: -hmm. the
0: people who wrote it and directed it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just really rare that you can have that much talent, I guess, to do all of that.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a fine line between, you know, sometimes you need someone else's perspective to bring it to life. Like if you're too close to it, you're going to be too precious with it, that sort of thing. But to be able to write something and bring it to life and have the perspective to let parts go or to change things or whatever. I think that's really that takes a lot of talent. You know.
0: Well, they're just such different disciplines. Mm -hmm. Like to be a screenwriter is its own discipline that usually requires, you know, its own 10,000 hours or whatever to get good at. And then, yeah, someone who is good at writing a screenplay might not be might not be great at directing movies, which is its own thing. Right. Most Mm -hmm. great directors don't write. They're just Mm -hmm. great directors. Stanley Kubrick didn't write anything. Yeah. You know, he took people's written work and adapted it. And he had, mm-hmm. he had the vision. He had like, he, he had the eye of a camera, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then someone like Billy Wilder, who's one of my favorites of all time, he wrote, directed, and produced his own shit. Right. Charlie Chaplin wrote, directed, and then wrote all the music for his movies.
1: That's so
0: cool. You've got these people throughout history that like, just really stand above. I mean, it's like in sports, like with a Tom Brady or a Michael Jordan or something. Maybe even a young Patrick Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. Yeah, he he's really looking like he might be real special. Um,
1: But like special in a special way, not in a special like you and I are special way.
0: (laughs) So you have to become a member. Like how does that work? All right. So the Academy members have to be invited to join Mm -hmm. by the Board of Governors on behalf of the Academy Branch Executive Committees. That's a bunch of Goobity gop. Uh, membership eligibility may be achieved by a competitive nomination or a member may submit a name based on other significant contributions to the field of motion pictures. And they keep all of this uh, confidential is not the right word, but the, the, there's no like manifest of who is in the academy.
1: Hmm. I didn't know that. I think my friend who won, I think he's in the academy now.
0: Yeah, I've got a few friends who are a part of it who, who are able to vote and stuff. The mm-hmm. new, new membership proposals considered every year. They don't publicly disclose its membership, although as recently as 2007, press releases have announced the names of people who've been invited to join. Yeah. So you can find that info. The 2007 release also stated that it has just under 6,000 voting members. Okay. And now, this is a little bit of a breakdown. We don't know the names, but in 2012, the Los Angeles Times did publish a study that described the demographic breakdown. Of 88% of the voting members. So almost all, but they have a demographic breakdown. So of the 5,100 plus active voters confirmed, Mm -hmm. 94% were Caucasian, white, Hmm. 77% male, 54% uh, were over the age of 60, and 33% of voting members are former nominees. 14% are former winners.
1: So just a lot of really old white guys, mostly. Yeah. I have to imagine that's shifting with time, though.
0: I mean, that's that could be a whole other episode. But there is a lot of criticism and I- interesting stuff to be said and thought about in terms of like the diversity of the Oscars. Right. Oscars so white. Oscars, yeah, that's what I was thinking. A huge thing so recently, right. and, mm-hmm. you know, it's like anything in this cultural moment with that stuff. I think it's kind of the net a net positive. I think there are casualties on mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got a lot of the Academy of voters apparently admitted to never having seen 12 years of slave, even though they voted for it for best picture. I think if you're doing that, that's not good for cinema or movies. Mm -mm. Um, Just watch the goddamn thing. And if it's not good enough, don't vote for it. I think voting for it because of what it's about and who made it, which was Steve McQueen, a black director. I don't know how, what good that really does for anyone.
1: Right. Including both sides. I wouldn't want an award just because I wouldn't want to win something just because someone was like, well, she's, Whatever my whatever my thing is, you know.
0: Yeah, you don't want a token consolation mm-hmm. award. You want an award because you were good enough for it to be badass, you know. Right. Like right, right. Catherine Bigelow winning the Oscar. She doesn't want that award because she's a female. Because and, and the truth is, is that it is harder for females to make great movies for lots of reasons. That is true. But she doesn't want that award because of she's a female. She wants the award because she was the best director.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't mm-hmm.
0: know her, but I'm guessing that as an artist, she doesn't want any caveats she right. wants she wants to compete and she wants her shit to be good. Right. Jane Campion was nominated for Power of the Dog, which I one, one of my favorite movies last year. And I've seen a lot of interviews with her and she's a very formidable, strong, interesting artistic presence and she didn't mm-hmm. want any of that shit either, you know? Yeah. But it is kind of a bummer to see how disproportionate the voting membership is. And of course the assumption is, oh well if it's uh if it's 80 94% Caucasian, the assumption is all 94% of them are like racist or something. That's not true. No, either. I don't
1: think that's you know? true. It's just like, a, it's just, a. you know, if, if they're all like, if most of them are over 60, then they've been in it for, you know, 30, 40 years, maybe like, it's just a, it's just a, an, a it's just showing us where we came from and over time, if they keep the Oscars around that that will shift. It'll just take some time.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've got that. The film industry is like the thread of it all through the civil rights movement. You've got the Mm -hmm. film industry all all through the threads of like interracial marriage being illegal. Mm -hmm. So those movies weren't getting made as much. Right. You know, those stories weren't getting told. And if those stories aren't getting told, it might not be because the Academy's racist. It's just those stories aren't getting told because of other problems in society.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally.
0: All right, so the qualifications for a movie, a film must open in the previous calendar year from midnight of January 1st through midnight December 31st and must play for seven consecutive days. It must be shown at least three times on each day of its qualifying run with at least one of the daily showings being between 6 and 10 p.m. local time. Interesting. Which I guess so kind of keeps... Just
1: the yeah. raff of like, oh, I'll show it at a, at 10 a.m. in the morning yeah. when it's cheap to rent the a theater and then, Yeah.
0: Interesting. Exactly. I'll I'll like pay for it to yeah, to run at one AM my mm-hmm. art film that I made, you know, at UCLA. Right, 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 right.
1: There's a guy that I know who is a big in the in the horror world and you know was was a big uh, early early believer in paranormal activity. And I just saw on Instagram that I guess he worked on or had produced or had some sort of involvement in a and a scary movie that that did get a theatrical run and has made like a million bucks or a couple million bucks, but they just submitted it for an academy award and it's like on the list of movies i don't i mean it hasn't made that like next tier of of actually people actually like watching it and it being one of the five but it's in
0: the pool a lot of the 18 wins of horror movies which we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here were a lot of them in like as i'm sure you can imagine like the um like makeup design and right. visual effects mm-hmm. categories kathy bates won best actor best actress for misery. Yes, she was so good in that. I recently rewatched that. It was actually, I watched it two times. I was on the road staying in a hotel and, and it came on like TNT. Mm-hmm. And then when it ended, it came on again and I watched it again.
1: Wow.
0: I was kind of playing on my phone at the
1: yeah. same time. But
0: yeah, yeah. anyway, she was great in that. Um, she went to my college. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. There's a Kathy Bates studio that I used to go rehearse in all the time.
0: Yeah. In Texas? Mm-hmm.
1: SMU. We were in the same theater program. She went to undergrad there, and she spoke at uh, graduation when I was a freshman. I got to hear her speak. Wow. And she was the one that said, she was like, you, you should journal. You should journal every day. And I took that to heart, and I journal every day. I have like 30 journals filled with my thoughts sitting over there off
0: camera. Wow. You're like Kevin Spacey in Seven. Oh, I don't want to be like Kevin Spacey.
1: Or, yeah, and also, wasn't he a serial killer in that? What are you saying?
0: He just journaled a lot. That's uh, all I'm saying. Well, the only… C- correlation is that he also was a big journaler
1: well mine are hopefully filled with the ramblings of a of a very empathetic special woman who loves most people in the world okay
0: well we'll see we'll find out one day <laughs>
1: <laughs> you once had one of my moleskin journals in your possession i left it in nashville
0: yeah, i remember you asked me not to I was read like, it please
1: don't read it will you send it back to me and then you did because you're my friend you sent it back
0: to me and i didn't read it
1: see Trustworthy.
0: Okay, so where were we at on this list? So foreign films have to have English subtitles, and each country can only submit one film per year for the international feature film. And this is interesting to me because the film that won a couple of years ago was Parasite, mm-hmm. which blew me away. I don't know if you saw Parasite.
1: I did not. I'm gonna disappoint you at every turn. You're gonna be like, Did you see that? And I'm gonna say, uh oh, no. Um, I think we have a screener somewhere to be honest.
0: You really have to see it because what was interesting about Parasite is it won international best picture and it won best picture. It won both. That's amazing. Wow.
1: That is really cool.
0: I I went into that movie not knowing anything about it. I thought it was a horror movie and Mm -hmm. it's not. And then the second viewing was extremely I watched it, I told my wife as well. I was like, we have to watch this movie. We watch it together. The second viewing was even better. Um, Wow. Okay, cool. The film must be feature length, which they're describing as at least 40 minutes, a 40-minute minimum, except for obviously short film categories. Mm -hmm. It has to exist on 35 or 70 millimeter prints or in 24 or 48 frames, progressive scan digital camera format with a minimum projector resolution of 2048 by 1080 pixels. That's a bunch of technical jargon that I don't really understand.
1: Well, I hope that that's that's probably what most people are doing. Then
0: there's a really great film by Sean Baker, who's like a young, kind of auteurish director, mm-hmm. uh, called Tangerine, which I believe is on Netflix. Which mm-hmm. he, where I've heard of that. He, he follows the life of this trans woman. It's really it's not a documentary. It's a movie that he wrote, mm-hmm. but he shot the entire thing on an iPhone four. Mm. A lot of the academy is rooted in tradition, and a lot of I think the struggles of the academy maintaining relevance. Right. In today's culture, is kind of being a dinosaur, right? And maybe that eighty-eight percent old white male guy might have something to do with it. Right. But so you have all these interesting things where you're having someone making a film that's on an iPhone and and editing it on an iPad, and then it's not even coming out in the theaters; it's streaming on, you know, a platform that didn't exist ten years ago. And up until recently, the Oscars wouldn't even consider streaming platform films in the awards nominations. Well,
1: they're going to have to because everything in movie theaters
0: these days are Marvel movies. So, Well, they did. It was a big deal. That's like Power of the Dog was a Netflix movie. You know, and Power, okay, Power, so of, they are now. Yeah, they they already did that. Like Coda. Good. I think Coda, which is actually what won, was like an, mm-hmm. was on, was streaming. I don't think it, you could see it in the theater. Wow. So that's kind good. of already happened. Yeah, it's good. It's the way forward. I think what they're also trying to do, which I think is noble, is they're trying to preserve the theater experience. Right. You know, watching a movie on your iPhone is... Is not the intention, you know, of most directors when they <laughs> spend fifty million dollars and give nine months of their lives. It's for the it's for the big screen. It's for the silver screen. And I've enjoyed many movies in the privacy of my own home. I've enjoyed many movies on planes and in tour buses on my iPad and phone. But I think it's important as a culture that we don't let the theatrical experience slip away. That's my own personal feeling.
1: I know. I really agree. I really agree with that. I hope that we can. I hope that we can keep it going. I, that in bookstores. Let's just try, y'all. Try. Just, just try harder. Around. Let's try harder, everyone. Stop buying books on Amazon.
0: All right, so screeners. Screeners are always fun for me. Now, I don't have access to screeners, but I know a lot of people that are somebody. I know a lot of special people. <laughs> and I'm special enough to be invited by them to watch their screeners. And I remember um, just during award season, just getting that invite, like, hey, the screeners are in. And then every night, You know, that week, watching two of them, you know, with a couple of beers and some popcorn.
1: That's fun.
0: Super fun. The physical copy screeners would go out to the Academy members. And, of course, there were, like, the watermarks on them. There was a lot of piracy during that time, as you can imagine. In fact, when I was in my early 20s, I would, like, bit-torrent screeners Mm -hmm. during award season. Movies that I couldn't find. Like, foreign films that you can't find and stuff. Like, I'll always pay to see a movie that I can see, but if I I don't have access to it, it's frustrating because Mm -hmm. there's no way for me to even pay to see it. Right. In 2019, a streaming platform called the Academy Digital Screening Room was introduced. For films to be included on the platform, the North American distributor must pay $12,000, including a watermarking fee, and a digital copy of the film to be prepared for the streaming by the Academy. The platform can be accessed via Apple TV and Roku. The watermarking process involves several video security firms. So they create a forensic watermark, restrict the ability to take screenshots, blah blah blah, the recordings.
1: I, I obviously never have have had screeners from from the Academy Awards, but at the same time, the SAG screeners go out, and so that's the ones
0: I've seen. My friend was in SAG, yeah
1: yeah yeah. So you get I get those, and uh, and some of them I had like the watermark thing, where you like you get like a little card, like a really nice card in the mail, and it has like a barcode or whatever on it and then you you can go in and watch it digitally instead of having it which i actually like better than having the hard things because there's all this like pressure of like don't loan your screeners out yeah don't let anyone steal them and then all of a sudden you have 40 dvds in your house that you're like i don't uh, want to do with these and i'm scared you know anyway so i
0: like the code well in 2021 for the 2022 oscars Mm -hmm. the academy banned all physical screeners i think that was a covid thing too They Yeah, so they weren't mailing shit because no one knew what COVID was. Mm -hmm. And then they weren't getting into screening rooms.
1: (laughs) Right. So everybody's like wiping down their groceries and not wanting to. That was the year my friend won. And so they got stuff in the mail for sure. But they didn't get to go to all the parties and they didn't get to. I don't. Yeah, they were supposed to have like live screenings. and They couldn't do that. It was a it was a wild year.
0: Eligible films don't have to be added to the platform. But the Academy does advertise them to voting members when they are. So that starts to get into like the marketing stuff where it, it turns into like a lot of things in life, your film's going to have more success if you have more money to dump on it.
1: Yes. And my gosh, it is like intense, the campaigning and the attention and the like, we're, you know, like really like trying to get the the wave of support and buzz kind of in your in your corner. Yeah, it's wild. It was a wild thing to, to watch. I remember the last outing I did before COVID hit was a screening of my friend's short. It's called, um, If Anything Happens, I Love You. And it was an animated short. And um, it was a live screening of that. And that was the last thing I, I did out in the world before I locked down for forever. And then they ended up winning, which was I mean, incredible.
0: I've seen it all the time where they're like, "Oh, the movie um it grossed 100 million and it only cost 50 million to make." So, oh, it made money. And then you're like, "Oh, but they spent 40 million marketing it." Meaning they marketed it for so people would see it, but they also I got to believe a lot of that marketing budget was also spent on campaigning if it's if it's Oscar season, if it's kind of one of those oscary movies
1: that they're that they're going to gun for, yeah, that they're like planning.
0: Yeah. And then you've even got, you know, I mean, it's a pretty common phrase. You've got Oscar bait movies. You've got, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got uh, the dude winning for A Theory of Everything playing Stephen Hawking. And then you've got his next movie, The Danish Girl, where he plays a trans woman. Right. The very next year in a very very charged cultural moment. That was generally considered to be Oscar bait.
1: Right, 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 right.
0: Right. Now, whether it was or not, I don't know. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know what the… Machinations and the motivations of all the people who made it were. But mm-hmm. that would be an example of when you're like, okay. Oh, you know, a book that did get criticized for being Oscar bait that I did see and it did win Best Picture and it was fucking good was The Green Book.
1: I didn't see it, but I heard all the stuff about it. You liked it?
0: It is just a charming, beautiful, powerful movie. Yes, right. with great acting and a great story. It, just, it was just good. All right. But I'm also not real snobby about movies. I I like... A lot of movies that you love movies. I just like just movies. in general. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's talk about award season. The award season usually begins November December of the previous year. So you've got all the awards that lead up to the Oscars, right? Mm-hmm. And several of these award shows are kind of dog whistles for what might win, right? Right. If you're winning, you know, best director for Golden Globe, pretty good sign you might win the Oscar. It's generally pretty exciting. I, I kind of follow it every year. I kind of see how they're doing. I read all the, like, variety articles about, like, what's likely to win, what the dark horses are. Every Mm -hmm. year, I print out every category, and I we guess which movie's going to win, and then we count. That's fun. We tally it, and, like, yeah, I'll have my friends over.
1: I've done, like, uh, back when I was, like, in college and right out of college, we would have, we'd throw Oscar parties and get dressed up and have, like, a, you know, you'd you'd make your guesses, and whoever was closest won and that kind of stuff. Last year, Joe and I were in where were we we were in france when the oscars happened we didn't watch but i i woke up the next morning you know there's a time difference i woke up the next morning to like 212 text messages from <laughs> my girlfriends about chris rock breaking down will smith chris rock and i was like what happened and then i look over at joe and he's got like 100 text messages and then there's like memes popping up and we were like uh we missed something while we were sleeping
0: i saw it in real time i mean it man is it shocking I, um, I mean, I've said this on podcasts before, and I'm going to say it here, and mm-hmm. I'm going to trust that our listeners are adults and understand what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. It was as shocking as seeing the second tower go down, which I also watched live. Now, I'm yeah. not saying that Will Smith punching Chris Rock is an equal event or anywhere near as atrocious as right. 9-11. So right, right, right. I'm trusting sure. that you're all adults out there. I'm the just saying I remember watching the tower go down. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching Chris Rock get punched. It was, that, it was that level of shocking. It was like watching the Challenger explode. Because it was such a weird thing to see on television. It was like a moment, a cultural moment. I was in a room with five other people. And we were eating pizza and having beers. And we were filling out our little Oscar list. And we were kind of looking on our phones. And when that moment happened, it was so shocking and strange and bizarre. And then, of course, everyone's phones were blown up. And Mm -hmm. you're just, you're like trying to make sure, like, was that planned? You're looking on Twitter. You're just refreshing. It just felt like a cultural moment that everyone in America watched.
1: I feel like he handled it, Chris Rock. I feel like, you know, he kept his composure. I I, I don't know what I would have. I mean, I don't know what I would have done if, like, I felt for sure if a man had come up and hit me, I would, it would be different. But if a woman had come up and hit me, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you navigate that moment. But I feel like. I can't really remember, but he just kind of like made a joke and then like kept going, right?
0: Well, he said Will Smith just slapped the shit out of me, and then everyone yeah. laughed because everyone was confused. And then, yeah, he said, as was he. And then he said it was a GI Jane joke.
1: Mm-hmm. He, he
0: basically was underscoring how silly it was, right? And Will Smith was yelling, "Get my wife's name out of your fucking mouth!" Oof. and I don't even think it was bleeped out. For us. Well,
1: everybody was, the whole, the the tech crew probably was shocked as well. And they were probably like, what?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure the producers were shitting their pants. The big indictment about that moment, and we we talked about it even as it burnt. I mean, it, it put a huge cloud over the whole Oscars. Like, yeah. no one recovered. Like, yeah. that's all anyone talked to, I mean, that's all we talked about the whole time. The mm. big indictment of that moment was... You know, you watch someone get assaulted on TV and really there were no repercussions.
1: Escort the man out.
0: No one did anything and in fact Will Smith went on to win, you know, yeah. the most prestigious Oscar, which is best actor, and gave a strange speech, mm-hmm. you know. He was laughing at the GI Jane joke and then he saw his wife's face and then he they were obviously going through some shit. I mean they they filed for divorce not long after that.
1: Are they are they getting divorced? Oh yeah. Oh, I
0: didn't know. I mean, there was trouble in paradise. I mean, it was such a strange... All of it was very, very strange. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, Oscars commonly are at the end of the award season, which is generally late February, early March, six weeks after nominees are announced. They moved it up in 2004 from late March, early April to shorten the lobbying and ad campaigns associated during Oscar season. So Good. it just became gross, you know? It's kind of like political campaign shit where you're just like, oh.
1: I was going to say that. It's like when you spend... 20 million 30 million 80 million dollars getting someone elected and it's like couldn't you just spend that money on
0: helping the people right well all the money is like spent basically just shoving best picture nominations down your throat and like mm-hmm. you know
1: and lunches where you go and you mingle oh, yeah, and parties, the academy and yeah, all that you, stuff
0: you kiss the rings and yeah. it's like with the golden globes like the hollywood foreign press right you kind of have mm-hmm. to kiss their ass and whoever mm-hmm. they are and all of that <laughs> stuff Whoever
1: they are, whoever those people are.
0: The Academy does enforce rules to limit overt campaigning by its members. Mm -hmm. And again, they're just trying to cut down on it. There's an awards czar on staff who advises members on allowed practices and levies penalties on offenders. So a big example was in 2009, Best Picture nominee, The Hurt Locker, was disqualified as a producer in the category uh, because he was contacting associates, urging them to vote for his film and not another that was seen as the front runner. And then, oh wow! And then the Hurt Locker did eventually win, though. But I guess the producer but, got but, bounced.
1: Yeah, he got bounced. Interesting. Well,
0: before 1999, the Oscars aired on Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. Mm-hmm. They're now on Sundays at 8:30 and 5:30 Pacific. Change largely due mm-hmm. to L.A. rush hour traffic.
1: Oh well, that is for sure. I mean, yeah, that's that's legit. And also, you need like the hour and a half to watch people in their dresses walk down the red carpet.
0: The red carpet is so fun.
1: I I can do like twenty minutes of it and see some see some cool dresses, and then I'm then I scat, then I have to go.
0: In two thousand and ten, Academy organizers announced acceptance speeches must not run past forty five seconds. You get the famous "play it off" music, which forty five seconds, which Isabel can tell you every time we watch these shows and the speech is going long. Mm-hmm. I get so. I just start to cringe because the yes. and, and she laughs at me every time where I'm like, get off, make it short and sweet and get off. And I just, when I hear the music, it's just so brutal.
1: I have real award speech, listening anxiety. Like, I think I could give one and be fine, but I think, but listening to them make, I feel anxious. And I, and I, yeah, I, I guess, I guess it's like, Joe can't watch um, political debates because it's just like, he feels like this internal embarrassment. I can listen to debates all day long. Can't listen to speeches. It's hard. Yeah,
0: it isn't like an embarrassment that I feel. It's kind of like a projection or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, A few more things about just like the telecast of it. In 1993, the In Memoriam segment introduced, which as everyone knows, it honors the people who passed away. But here's the problem, right? It's drawn criticism because obviously they usually omit somebody and someone's going to get upset, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also criticism about it being a popularity contest where they feel like the audience will, you know, it'll be like varied applause for someone who, you know, by cultural impact. So it'll be like five people that know everyone's like smattered applause and then someone Mm -hmm. more popular and you'll get more applause, right? And because of that, they now mute the applause during the memoriam.
1: Okay. I'm fine with that. I also think, how could you not omit someone? Because, you know, is it every person who's ever made a movie? Like when I pass away, when I'm 140, I don't think I'm going to be in the in, in, in this video in the academy awards because i've never been nominated or anything but i did make a movie once like do you have to be nominated do you have to be a winner do you just have to ha- be in like kind of like Oscary sort of movies for a long period of time
0: what's the the way their criteria that i read was that it's it's honoring those who made a quote-unquote significant contribution to cinema and who passed away in the preceding 12 months. Interesting. But you're damned if you do and damned if you don't because you, you yeah, you can't name everybody. And you, I think, I think the people who put all that together are super well intentioned and try to do the yeah. right thing. We just live in a cultural moment where everyone's a fucking baby and nothing's good enough for anybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I hear you.
1: I, lo- I always like it. I do I too. I always like that. It always makes me, it really touches me to, to watch the... Mm-hmm. It's nice.
0: Okay, although still dominant in ratings, the viewership of the Academy Awards has steadily dropped. The 88th Academy Awards were the lowest rated in the past eight years uh, while the show itself also faced mixed reception. And I've got to say, I've been watching the Oscars for 15, 20 years They are getting almost unwatchable.
1: Now, let me ask you. Why do you think that is? I enjoy a good host. I enjoy a musical number. I enjoy someone who's keeping it going up there. I enjoy someone who's like steering the ship. Yeah. Do you prefer that? Do you like the no? Okay. Okay.
0: I don't like it when they try to combine hosts. No. Mm -mm.
1: I don't mind having two like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. I like that. I'm fine with that.
0: I think everyone's afraid. I mean, usually it's comedians who basically do roasting jokes. I mean, that's kind of what the history of it is. And they do dance numbers and song and dance shit. And it's like a big spectacle. And I think now it's just an opportunity to preach and it feels very echo chambery. And it, it's just, uh, it doesn't seem to celebrate the movies as much. It seems to be more about an opportunity to dunk on culture. And I think people don't want to tune in and see that.
1: There's something weird about rich, successful people celebrating themselves and not acknowledging the world There's also something weird about rich, you know, movie makers celebrating themselves and also acknowledging the world like both feel weird to me.
0: I don't think that people who are rich are obligated to acknowledge social issues on the night that they're celebrating the movies they make. That night should be about the movies. And that's why it's that actually is it. We just landed on it. It's suffering because it's not about the movies anymore.
1: I mean, I think it's another damned if you do, damned if you don't. I think if nobody acknowledged the world and they just celebrated the movies, there'd be people going, how dare you get up there and celebrate these movies? You guys don't know what's happening outside your own front door. Like, you know what I mean? It's a tough one.
0: I mean, most of the Oscars weren't political statement nights. And I don't think people were that upset about it. You got Marlon Brando, who's one of the only three people who ever did not accept his Oscar. And -hmm. instead, he had a Native American woman read like a 15-page basically protest letter that he wrote mm-hmm. about the treatment of Native Americans in America wow. and alright cool but that's that was really rare right. when celebrities posture in that way I think a lot of average people are skeptical of its legitimacy and of its sincerity and I think the way around it is make Oscar night about the Oscars and whatever you guys want to say about whatever causes you believe in mm-hmm. put your fucking money where your mouth is and spend the rest of the year doing it
1: I hope that they do we'll never know but i hope that they do some people do
0: well and whatever I, I don't really care i'm i'm not at the oscars i'm just telling you how it kind of comes across to just a guy like me that watches the oscars
1: yeah well you're watch- you really love movies and you really want to see the movies be celebrated so you're you know yeah i that's that i understand where you're coming from with that
0: i think it's a pretty reasonable explanation for why viewerships down the 92 mm-hmm. academy 92nd academy awards drew an average of 23.6 million viewers that which was two ago the 93rd academy one which was this last one drew ten point four million. So that's
1: not it. Very it lost people. it.
0: Lost over half.
1: Yeah. Well, so was it the um, COVID one that was twenty three?
0: Yes, correct. That's right.
1: And, which was interesting. I watched some. Well, I watched it because my friend was nominated, but also I was interested to see how they were going to do it. You know, how they were going to navigate that kind of night with s- such harsh restrictions. And totally. they did. Yeah, totally. They did a, an interesting job. I, I was, I, you know. I was glad they had them.
0: So the 93rd Academy Awards, which was 10.4 million,
1: mm-hmm. was the
0: lowest viewership recorded by Nielsen since it started recording audience totals in
1: 1974. Wow. Well, not looking good.
0: And so I think if, you, if, if you're a producer of that show mm-hmm. and you're going, well, we have, to, we have to fix this. I mean, it's, right. it's entertainment. It's an entertainment show. And I think another part of it too, without getting into culture war shit, I think too we live in an age where like celebrity interview stuff is just every celebrity not only is on every podcast, they all mm-hmm. have a podcast.
1: Yes, so it's not special to see them exactly all in the same room anymore. Totally agree with that.
0: Now, when when Jack Nicholson, who was kind of a mysterious guy in his heyday when he mm-hmm. was winning Oscars for whatever he won for, I guess One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Five Easy Pieces, I don't even know what he won for. You really didn't see Jack Nicholson unless you were watching him on the Oscars, yeah. and to see those eyebrows raised and to see him looking fucking cool and to, and to wonder what he would say if he won.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Brando was the same way. Brando was an extremely mysterious guy, yeah. and in fact, when he did this Native American thing, it was like part of it was kind of like fed into the mystique of Marlon Brando, right. Okay, so let's talk about a little bit of the controversies. Then this isn't culture war shit. Well, some of it is actually. Sorry. Um so one of the the criticisms is that it's too commercial, right? Okay, so Tim Dirks, who edits the AMC's org, he wrote of the Academy Awards, Unfortunately the critical worth, artistic vision, cultural influence, and innovative qualities of many films are not given the same voting weight, especially since the eighties money-making quote unquote formula-made blockbusters with glossy production values have been crowd-pleasing titans and Best Picture winners, mm. but they haven't necessarily been great films with deep or critical acclaim. Mm. So then what he's basically saying is lesser movies that are more popular are winning. Yeah. And Interesting. I, I get it. That kind of smacks a little bit to me of kind of like stuffy, snobby, you know, my cinema needs to be the world cinema. And right. I kind of like dumb populist movies sometimes you know yeah. and i think just because they're populist or commercial or go down easy and don't challenge you philosophically at every step doesn't mean they're not good right okay another one is the, the biases typical criticism of the academy awards for best picture it's among the winners and nominees there's an overrepresentation of romantic historical epics biographical dramas romantic dramedies and family melodramas most of which are released in the us and usually in the last three months, right? Mm-hmm. They, oh, yeah. they, they, that's the Oscar bait, Oscar season stuff. Yep. Uh, the Oscars have been infamously known for selecting specific genres of movies to be awarded the term Oscar bait coined to describe such movies, which has led at times to more specific criticisms that the Academy's disconnected from its audience by favoring Oscar bait over audience favorites or favoring historical melodramas over critically acclaimed movies that depict current life issues. For example, Coda and Belfast, which were like the big ones last year, Horrible, like unwatchable slogs, hmm. but they had that like gravitas. They seemed Oscar baby. Right. You know, and a lot of the Marvel stands think that those movies should be just as evenly considered. In fact, Black Panther was one of the 10 best picture nominees. Mm-hmm. Now, if Black Panther won best picture, I'd probably pull all my fucking hair out, but I understand. <laughs> I understand the point. Like, yeah. like, it needs to not be an old boys club. That's not really what it should be. Right.
1: Right. Right. I mean, I, th- I wish that they didn't make Oscar bait movies. I wish they just made movies. Totally. And then gave the Oscars to the ones that were right, you know?
0: I totally agree. Yeah. It should just go to the best movie.
1: Yeah. Just make a movie for the people and see what happens.
0: And by the way, like, so the different parts of the Academy, um, like the different departments, basically, like if you were in it as an actor, mm-hmm. you would only be able to vote for actors. Right. So directors vote for directors. Writers vote for writers and mm-hmm. stuff. So, I mean, I like the concept of it makes sense. Like, you get people who, like, made significant contributions in the industry Mm -hmm. to look at the work of that year and, like, vote on it.
1: I I always am weirded out when a Best Picture movie, when the director isn't nominated for Best Director. Because how can you have a movie that's considered one of the best movies of the year, but not acknowledge the director whose job it is, is to have a vision and pull all these different people in and, and shape it all into... The movie.
0: Well, the problem with that is there's only five nominees in the other categories, and they bumped Best Picture up to ten.
1: Oh, hmm.
0: I'm not saying that in the past when there were only five each that it that never matched, happened, right? but now you got ten. You got ten movies, and you got five directors. Yeah. And I will say, off the top of my head, they usually are usually the the best films that are in those categories. The directors are nominated, but now you've got. Basically, five that can't be.
1: Yeah. Weird. That's weird.
0: And you factor into like, like someone like Leonardo DiCaprio who won Best Actor for The Revenant. Mm-hmm. There, there was a sense of that that it was like it's his time.
1: Right. You've been at this a while.
0: Yeah. Not that The Revenant's not great because it is. But it, I, I watched it one time. I, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. And he's made. He's got at least five other like Wolf of Wall Street. I think The, the Departed. What's Eating Gilbert Grape. But there was a sense to where it's like, okay, he has made Hollywood a lot of money. Mm-hmm. He does a lot for the world. He's big, you know, climate guy, mm-hmm. and he's in a really good movie. It's time. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Will Smith. Everyone knew Will Smith was going to win. That's mm-hmm. what that was. What's so horrible about the slap was yeah. he's made Hollywood a cajillion dollars. Mm-hmm. He's consistently good, mm-hmm. well liked, and he made King Richard, which is a kind of a sad Oscar Beatty movie where he's you know it's a black family who's succeeding but at what cost and Mm -hmm. he gained a bunch of weight and looked weird for it and and so when he the reason they didn't drag his ass out is because everyone knew he was about to win the biggest award of the night
1: they should have well
0: yeah you can't punch someone you can't punch somebody on tv yeah like like america can't watch that happen and Mm -hmm. not suffer some sort of social like
1: Consequence,
0: Mm -hmm. And plus, there's the added onion layer of like, it's two prominent black men Mm -hmm. where, you know, the black community, of course, unfairly criticized for for black on black violence. So -hmm. we're just watching two famous black men. Mm -hmm. One of them punched the other one on television. No one do anything. No consequences, no repercussions. And America watched it. At least Mm -hmm. 10 million of us did. Mm -hmm. And then you bet your ass everyone, including my friends who were in France, heard all about it ASAP. Oh yeah we did yeah oh man and he's that was a I, big deal
1: it was and i think i think the academy apologized for not not doing more but it's kind of like that was your moment you can't you can't see a house burning down and not rush in to help and then later go you know what i'm really sorry i didn't rush yeah. in and help it's like well too late now
0: um, they were put in an almost impossible scenario like and having to respond to i'm not excusing them yeah. I, I i don't envy them though i don't you know they were all in their little earpieces going what do we do what do we do yeah what do we who do?
1: makes this call yeah, who does make that call? You know, the exe- like
0: the executive producer. Yeah, I mean, our team of producers had a, you know, a ten second quorum where they were like, "What's the vote? What are we doing?" Oof. And I got to imagine they're like, "He's going to win Best Actor. We have to let it ride. We'll deal with it later."
1: Yeah, I bet they have a, I bet they have a protocol in place now.
0: All right, I mentioned before that the the whole deal with streaming platforms was kind of controversial in twenty nineteen. The Netflix broadcast film Roma was nominated for 10 awards, including Best Picture. Oh, I
1: remember that one, yeah.
0: Pretty good. Good international film. Steven Spielberg and other members of the Academy discussed changing the requirements through the Board of Governors. The United States Department of Justice, having heard of the potential rule change, wrote a letter to the Academy in March 2019, cautioning them that placing additional restrictions on films that originate from streaming media services without proper justification could raise antitrust concerns. A bunch of legal crap.
1: Wow, this is complicated. I would never have even known any of that you know like
0: yeah, there's a bunch of people trying to figure shit out you know mm-hmm. like it's easy to get on twitter and just be mad about stuff but it's right. like there's just a bunch of red tape and bureaucratic shit that yeah, people totally. are, are legitimately just trying to figure out so following the april 2019 board meeting the academy board of governors agreed to retain the current rules that allow streaming media films to be eligible for oscars as long as they enjoy limited theatrical runs
1: oh yeah yeah yeah
0: so then someone like jane campion who wants the power of the dog she'll do that like 7 day the right. 7 day run and like 10 theaters Mm -hmm. that doesn't break her bank. It doesn't break a budget for marketing because Netflix provided, you know, most people are going to see it on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And I do have to say the power of the dog would have been fucking beautiful on the big screen. It is Mm -hmm. a big, beautiful movie that's set in Montana, but I believe it was filmed in New Zealand. Anyway, some advocates of gender equality and non-binary people have criticized the separation of male and female acting categories though some commentators worry that gender discrimination would cause men to dominate the unsegregated categories. So how do you feel about that? Do you feel like the actor and actress is a, is a gender discrimination issue or what do you think about that?
1: Um, I, I, I can see where that, where that a hundred percent would be an issue. I don't, I, I wonder, I, I think it'll change as there's more stories told and, and more actors uh, being nominated who are gender non-conforming or however you you say that like um i've thought about that like what if i where would i like if i if i was trans like what would i where would i fall you know like i don't know and i and i i think there's a fine line about stuff but also like like or just have like you know hand out five best performer awards and then don't worry about it or two, hand out two Best Performer Awards and don't worry about it.
0: Well, I'm guessing like if Elliot Page got nominated in one, that would be in the male category.
1: Yes, probably.
0: I guess it would be whatever you identify as if you're trans. The problem is people who are, don't identify as anything. Exactly. Know.
1: So let's just hand out two and two or three or, I mean, they have 10 best films, just n- bump it up to like, you know, three or four Best Performer Awards and then just don't worry about it. That's what I say.
0: All right. Here's some interesting facts about the Oscars that you might not know. Mm-hmm. The youngest right. Oscar winner ever was Tatum O'Neill, who won Best Supporting Actress for Paper Moon mm-hmm. at just 10 years old. Wow. The oldest Oscar winner, Anthony Hopkins, Best Actor for The Father in 2020 at 83. Peter Finch from the film Network and Heath Ledger from The Dark Knight are the only actors to be awarded an Oscar after they passed away.
1: Oh yeah,
0: which is interesting. I remember Heath Ledger one. Meryl Streep nominated for a record twenty one Academy Awards. She's won wow. three of them. Wow. Jack Nicholson is the most nominated male actor, having received twelve Oscar nominations, beginning with sixty nine's Easy Rider. His three wins tie him with Daniel Day Lewis and Walter Brennan.
1: Let me ask you a question: If yeah. Meryl Streep has been nominated twenty something times and she's only won three times, do you think that she that that they're like in a they have like a pattern now where she's like I'm not campaigning, I've got too much to do. You know? I don't know, like, or does she go through the whole hoopla every single time? That's like three months out of your life every time you're nominated.
0: It probably depends on. I mean, if we're going to just talk about her individual, like, personal feelings, that might depend on how much she believes in the movie, right? But also, it might be part of her contracts. Like, they might say yeah, like, you've got to
1: like do this. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They might say like, look, we're going to give you. 20 million for the Iron Lady, and it's going to be the highest salary Mm -hmm. for a female actor this year. Um, Mm -hmm. But you're going to have to do the campaign and awards season.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. Ben Hur from
0: 1959, Titanic from 97, and Lord of the Rings Return of the King from 03 are the most successful films in Oscar history. Each have won 11 Oscars.
1: Wow. I loved Titanic.
0: Return of the King won every award it was nominated for. Wow. Way to go, Peter Jackson. Uh, two more of these facts. Bob Hope hosted the ceremony 19 times. He's the most frequent Oscar host ever. Walt Disney has the most Oscar wins of all time. He won 22 competitive Oscars and three honorary ones out of a total of 59 nominations. Wow. He was nominated every year between the years 1942 and 1963.
1: That's incredible.
0: so in a dream world you got 45 seconds
1: I'm going to give my Oscar speech oh my gosh I this means so much to me I have to thank everyone who uh, helped make this movie come to life the director our producers our actors our crew uh, I want to thank my team I want to thank the academy I want to thank all of the people Who I'm nominated against It is an honor to be standing up here And knowing that I am in the same world same world, And same room as you You are infinitely talented And I learn from all of you And I have to thank my parents uh, For supporting me um and my sweet nephew and the love of my life Joe who by the time I'm giving this speech hopefully is my husband but uh in a dream world this is my dream world and um oh my gosh it's time for me to go thank you so much uh have a glass of champagne for me at home guys
0: wow you did it
1: i did it i you did it I
0: literally had no time to spare
1: and i added anything about it this is a dream world so technically
0: i was under that was really good. That Thank was a you. really good speech. Let me
1: tell you something, Clint. Do you know the number of times I've given an acceptance speech in the car or in the shower, or that was off the cuff after years of preparation? And I have to say, I appreciate the uh, the opportunity to do it on this uh, podcast.
0: Well, what was it? You won there. Was that like an aerosol can? What is that?
1: <laughs> this is a, a Katie was holding source. a prop. <laughs> it was a a water bottle. It's like a it's like a metal water bottle that I got from the airport. Uh. A, uh. Like a disposable one, proud source spring water.
0: Well, now that's going to go on the mantle next to uh next to Harvey, the Harvey collage.
1: <laughs> I'm going to put it up next to my Scream Fest um <laughs> award. That's a that's a giant skull, so it's going to be that. oh hell yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool, pretty heavy too. Um, okay, in a dream world, Clint, let's. I want to hear your. I want to hear yours. Okay,
0: <sighs> I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do one that's funny.
1: You don't have to be funny. You don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. But I'm going to count you down. Are you ready? Yeah. Five, four three two
0: thank you very much for this award good night boom guinness wow. Book of world record shortest oscar speech of all time period wow
1: and the crowd stands up and claps and loses their mind because they're that much closer to the champagne that's going to happen after this
0: they rush the stage mosh pit um you I jump have- out I well, I turns out I can fly, so oh. I just hover above them, and I also have the like ESP cognitive abil- abilities of Carrie, and I have all the doors locked, and then I set the whole building on fire, and Tom Cruise dumps a bucket of blood on my head, just like the movie Carrie,
1: and just like uh, Kiss. I feel like it always comes back to spitting blood on on a stage or something like that. So
0: well one can't stray too far from the muck they were born in and let's face it I was born in horror movies Freddy Krueger and Kiss concerts (laughs) there's no way around it I've spent maybe decades trying to think I was something more but that's what it is
1: I love it A to Z with Clint and Katie is recorded in Los Angeles California and Nashville Tennessee and is produced by Clint Wells consider joining us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month for access to exclusive content Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Katie and Clint, or send us an email to a to Z Clinton at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.